Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Ed Luther. I'm the senior pastor at City Church here on the Sunshine Coast. And uh, we're living in unprecedented times. We hear that all the time. And uh, I believe that though we're in uh, a place in history like no other place, we're in a season that is unprecedented. And a lot of you find yourselves in different cities uh, around the world where perhaps there's similar rules to what we have here where there's lockdown or there's uh, distancing rules. We have to be 1.5 meters, roughly 1.5 yards apart. And uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to, to keep all of those things in, in four meters uh, square for, per person and all, all of these rules that are necessary to you know, slow down and even stop this, uh, this virus that's, that's just hit the world. And so wherever you're at, I just want to welcome you to uh, a space, a time out, if you will, that, that you can take, push pause on, on all of this stuff, not on the distancing rules, of course, but uh, you can get your headspace into what I hope this morning will be a God space. And so I just want to welcome you again to our live worship service. This morning is live. We are uh, right here in the middle of the Sunshine Coast in a place called uh, Maruchador. If you you can go and Google that if you're not sure where it's at. Uh, we live in a, a, a lovely city. It's honestly, it's if you've got to be uh, isolated, this is probably the best place to be isolated. Uh, yesterday, I went for a, a walk on the beach with a friend, and it was just one of those amazing days. We went to uh, a beach, uh, a place called Malulaba, and if you can say that, you're probably a local, and uh, went for a, a long walk on that beach and just talked and and it's interesting because people coming the other way, we all had to kind of move over and keep that distance. And, you know, we've got lifeguards that are making sure you can't put a blanket down and lie on the beach and sunbank because uh, that's going to be gathering or congregating and clusters and all these terms. Uh, so, you know, you have to avoid all of those, those things. And it's, it's kind of a challenge, but an interesting one. And uh, I believe that the, the season that we're in can actually be a season to embrace. I, I'm really thankful that God uh, instituted seasons, times, years, uh, a calendar, and all these seasons. And one of the great things about seasons is it gives you a, a tag to remember. And I, I don't know if, uh, if you remember, if you're probably over 60, you'll probably remember uh, a season or an event when uh, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I could tell you where I was, uh, you know, how old I was. I know exactly where I was when I heard the news, uh, walking across one of the, the neighbor's yards and, and this uh, girl that was about my age, I think I was about eight years old, 1963, and she said, uh, did you hear the president uh, has been uh, killed, and I, and I thought, oh, she was kind of one that was known to kind of spread uh, untruth, and I said, ah, you know, I'm not going to bite. I, I don't believe you, and then I came home, and, uh, you know, my stepmother was bawling her eyes out in the living room, and I was watching on that little black and white TV, and I thought, wow, you know, it's true. Our president has been killed. Uh, I don't know where you were uh, during 9-11. Uh, if you're you know, a bit younger now than, uh, than 60, you'd remember 9-11, and you could probably tell me exactly where you were when those towers went down. I was watching, I flicked on the television, it was at the end of our, our night service, 
and I saw it and I thought it was a movie, I thought, man, this is so real. Like Hollywood has gone to a next, next level. Like it, it really fooled me. And until I realized this is true, this, this is really happening. And I was watching that. And you would probably remember if you're old enough where, where that happened as well. There are events in history that just, uh, they, they put a bookmark, so to speak, in our memory. And I, I believe that this, this event now, this COVID-19 and, and 2020 and March of 2020 here, I, I believe that you'll always remember this. You'll know where you were, what you were doing at the time. And, uh, and, and you, you'll remember a lot about this. The, even though it's troubling times, it still causes us to remember these things. But I also believe that the season that we're in holds great opportunity. And it's great opportunity to cross over into something that uh, is new and amazing. Our church uh, right now, we're doing so many new things, it's, it's really hard to keep up with it. And, and words that I didn't really even know, maybe they weren't even around a year ago, I don't know, but, you know, platforms like Zoom, where you can have group chats and, uh, you know, from, from people everywhere and hundreds of people can be on there. Uh, if you said to me, have you uh, checked out Zoom, I'd have said, what are you talking about? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about probably, you know, even less than a year ago, just a few months ago. And, uh, and yet, you know, we're, we're embracing these technologies and we're moving forward with it uh, because this season holds a lot of opportunity as well. So our services last Sunday, uh, we had about 80,000 people that, that hit our, our live stream that we were looking at last Sunday. We recorded, of course, it went on throughout the week. And and, and we had about 6,000 people that watched it all the way through. That's not people, rather, that's screens. So behind every screen, there could be a whole family uh, that, that watched that. That's, that's incredible. What an opportunity as a church. See, our, our mission, our vision here at, at City Church is to grace the nations. It's to take the divine enablement that God's given us, the gifts that God has given us, to the nations. And if you're watching from another nation and City Church isn't your home church and you don't live on the Sunshine Coast, well, then you're part of our vision. And this season of trouble and trials has created an opportunity for you to feel like you're part of our church family and to be graced, if you will, to, be, uh, to have the favor of God, God's hand, the number for grace is five, to have God's hand reach out and touch you wherever you are in this world, no matter what you're going through. And I think that is an amazing season that God has instituted. And we need to take what God has given us and embrace this. I want to take you to um, a man that was in charge of leading a whole nation into a new territory. His name was Joshua. In fact, today is Palm Sunday where uh, Jesus uh, the name Jesus, the Old Testament name was Yeshua or Joshua. So Joshua's name actually is the same name as Jesus, where he entered into the, the temple at the time in Jerusalem. And uh, it's called Palm Sunday because they laid down palms in front of uh, the donkey that he was riding on, the colt. And he went in. It's called his triumphant entry. The, the crowds were for him. They were rejoicing as he entered into the city of peace, Jerusalem. Uh, he entered in one way, but however, he left another way. And my prayer for you on Palm Sunday is that you would enter one way, even this morning for this service, but you won't leave the same way that you came in. 
I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but when success hits and everything's going well, it's like everybody is celebrating. They were doing that for Jesus at the time. He entered in. He was the king. They were looking for the Messiah, and, uh, and he's it. He's coming into the city, and, uh, and it wasn't that many days after that that they are uh, pulling his beard out, beating him, and, and nailing him to a cross. He came in through the one gate where the king enters, and he left through the sheep gate ready to be a sacrifice. And so I don't know what this season would hold for you, what, what life has for you right now, but Joshua, the uh, Old Testament uh, name for Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, uh, he's about to lead a nation to cross over from a wilderness into a promised land, quite the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus went from uh, incredible blessings to uh, a wilderness, if you will, on a cross. He's about to take a nation uh, across. They've wandered for 40 long years under the leadership of a man named Moses. You've probably heard of him. And Moses represents the law in the Bible. It means uh, the rules and the regulations, the code of conduct, if you will, that people had to adhere to to please God. And God would have none of that because humanity can never be good enough. Somebody said once, you can't, you can't good your way to God. You're never going to be good enough. That's why Jesus came on the scene as a deliverer or what the word Joshua or Jesus means is Savior. And so he came to save us from what we could never live up to, which was the, the legal code that it takes to please God and to be right with God. He did that becoming a substitute for us. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, and I'm just going to read this and, and uh, break this apart for you a little bit just to give you some context. Uh, early in the morning, it says in verse 1, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, don't blame me, bad name for a, uh, for a town, uh, and went to Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Now, in your, in your mind's eye, you might think, oh, it's a nice little group of people camping. Uh, that must have been fun. They were camping there for about three days. Uh, but I want to give you the scene here because it was quite impressive. It was quite staggering, in fact. It says in Numbers chapter 26 and, and verse 51, Numbers is called Numbers because they counted all the people in the tribes and how many were over a certain age, the men that were over a fighting age, and, and, and they counted people. And, and it says that there were 600 and 1,730 family men. That's heads of households. I'll say that again. 601,730 family men ready to enter the promised land. So this suggested a, a total population, and this is conservative, that the, if you extrapolate in the, the, the married men and the your family men, so they're married, you double that, and then you put in some children, an average family, and, and you get two and a half million people. Like, that is the size of our closest big city here to the Sunshine Coast, which is the city of Brisbane. Is, uh, it's almost the exact same population of the city of Brisbane. That is one big camp meeting. I want you to try to picture this. I've seen a picture of about a million people out in a paddock at uh, one of Reinhard Bonnke's crusades. And you, you just couldn't see. They had a helicopter over. You couldn't see the end of that sea of people. Two and a half times that. That is absolutely staggering. You think you've got problems, and maybe you do. Uh, I think I've got problems, and maybe I do. But 
Joshua had some major problem. He had a major problem here. What do you do with two and a half million people and you're going to cross over a river, which the Bible says was at flood stage during this time? That is one big problem. And so the Savior, again, Joshua, Jesus, uh, Joshua means uh, Savior. It says, after three days, the officers went through the camp. That would have been quite a scene. Uh, giving orders to the people. And here's what they said. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, I want you to just make a note of that. It's called the Ark of the Covenant here. A covenant is an agreement that's ratified uh, most often in blood. It's not uh, uh, a contract. It's, it's a blood-sealed agreement. It means this is serious stuff. If you break this, there's penalties for breaking it. If you keep it, there's blessings. They call the penalties curses, and the, and the blessings they called uh, uh, keeping it, they called that a, a blessing. So there's, there's both sides of that covenant. And it says, uh, uh, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Now, it's interesting that it's called the Ark of the Covenant here, and what it is, if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, Hollywood, uh, you know, it's a gold um, uh, uh, encrusted box. It's got uh, some cherubim, angel-like uh, beings uh, on, the, on the lid of it. It's about uh, roughly uh, a meter and a half or a meter long and half that size wide. It's deep, and it's got in it three things that were miraculous during the time of Moses. It's got a, a stick called Aaron's rod. Uh, he was Moses's high priest that, that actually budded. It actually grew shoots out of it. It was dead. How could that happen? It has uh, the tablets in it, which is the law that Moses uh, got from God, written on stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, if you will. Uh, and it's got some manna in it, which was a food that God supernaturally gave the nation to feed the nation, which they could gather that up, but it would, uh, it would be gone the next day. You couldn't eat it the next day. Inside this Ark of the Covenant, those three things uh, were there, which was quite a miraculous thing. It, it represented the very presence of God being with them, and there were specific instructions on how to carry that Ark that uh, was to be carried on poles by the, by the priests, and they were to lift that up, and it, and it represents the very presence of God being with them. And it's called the Ark of the Covenant before they cross over, but it's pretty interesting because after they do cross over the Jordan, it's called the Ark of the Testimony. You've got a promise before you cross over to wherever you're going, but you've also got a testimony if you do cross over. There's not uh, a testimony without a test, somebody said. And, and, and we've got promises to stand on here on this side uh, of the Jordan, but we've got to cross over something that's impossible in our mind and our thinking. We don't, we grapple with it, perhaps, you know, keeps you up at night. You roll, you toss, you turn. I don't know how I'm going to do this thing. And, and, and this is the situation that Joshua is in right now. And then verse 4 uh, then you will know which way to go. And I've entitled this uh, message, uh, Walk This Way. N nothing to do with the song, uh, but <laughs> walk this way. Uh, you will know which way to go. Then you will know. You have never been this way before. During a crisis, during a situation, a season of trouble, when you cross over, you often don't know which way to go or how, how this is going to happen or where this is going to end up. 
And I'm going to give you three things this morning just to think about, but uh, you haven't been this way before, and it's pretty scary business. I don't know if you've ever uh, maybe been out of work and you didn't know how your next job was going to come, and maybe you're in that situation right now, and you don't know how this thing is going to play out. You've kind of got the beginning of the movie, if you will, but you don't know how the movie is going to end. And you're in the middle of a crossover. You haven't walked this way before. None of us have probably walked this way before with a pandemic. The government's grappling with that. How, how do we do this thing? How do we quarantine? This is a, hitting the economies of the whole world in, in a big way. We haven't walked this way before. Sometimes they'll look back, and, and rightfully so, in wisdom uh, to previous pandemics in the world. Some of those were like the Spanish flu way back you know, at the end of World War uh, I, and looking at how many people, how they did quarantine, what they did back then, and learning from all of these things and getting wisdom. But the reality is they walked that way back at the end of World War I, but you have never walked this way before. So you need some, some, some wisdom. And yet this crisis, this season, holds great opportunity, like I said. So I want to give you three opportunities that you can embrace uh, even this morning. Number one is that you can walk somewhere new. It's your opportunity to walk somewhere new. You have never been this way before. You have never thought this way before. Walking isn't just physical steps that you can take, like, uh, you know, going and moving house or switching countries or something like that. It's also a process of thinking. You, you, you have not walked this way in your mind. You have not thought this way before. This is a big opportunity, like I said, for a church to uh, do more online streaming and, and, and doing community as many uh, of the, all the churches you know, around our area, so many are doing this and, and some very, very well because they planned ahead, thought it through and, and set their teams up and then bang, the, the pandemic hit. They were already you know, walking that way. It wasn't a hard transition for others. They got caught by surprise. Now they're scattering, trying to, you know, how are we going to do this and everything else? But chances are, you know, you have not walked this way before in your thinking. And so part of the uh, uh, success and part of the opportunity is to sit down and really think this through and think, what opportunities are there in this problem? A lot of people right now are seeing opportunities in business, in social networks, and helping people. They're, they're thinking ways that they have not thought because they're seeing opportunities. They're not just seeing problems, but they're seeing possibilities. Uh, every, every single thing that uh, is invented pretty well was somebody's problem. I'm sitting on a chair right now. Somebody was sitting on the ground, and they thought, hey, this is a problem. I, you know, I'm getting wet. I'm getting tired, my back is hurting, sitting around this fire chatting with somebody, and, and uh, why don't I, I know what I'll do, I'll, I'll sit down and think about a solution, so the chair was invented. Uh, somebody else invented the light bulb, it was Thomas Edison actually, in fact, uh, I don't know if you've seen the current wars uh, with, with Edison, with uh, Benedict Cucumber Patch, and uh, you know, and Edison versus Westinghouse, and, uh, and then Nikolai Tesla. You know, great movie, true story, how uh, they had a war raging between AC current and DC current. 
uh, and how they lit up New York City at the time. Everybody had candles, and you know, it was a pretty dark day, really. Think about a day without electricity, but uh, somebody sat down, Edison sat down, he solved it, and Westinghouse, George Westinghouse, he uh, got a hold of what Nikolai Tesla, the Tesla cars named after him, uh, what he came up with, two opposing currencies that they were going to use, that's why it's called the currency war. But, uh, you know, the solution was basically the outcome was let's get some energy going. Let's start to power things different than we did. And they, they went to, uh, you know, Niagara Falls and got generators going and empowered cities. And the rest is history. And God told Joshua, he said, uh, that you, are, you have not walked this way before. But in Joshua chapter 1, it's interesting. We won't go there. But uh, God spoke to Joshua and he said, every place that the soles of your feet have tread upon, I have, past tense, given it to you. Every place that you walk, every place that you step, God, God basically said to him, I've already, it's yours. Just step it out. Just walk it out. Just start to think. Start to, 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 to go places. Start to, to walk differently than what you walked before. And, and go places in your mind. And take this opportunity to dream and to imagine. You've never been to this place before. See, too many of us are obsessed with where we are. Other people uh, seem to obsess with where they've been. And, and God can't take you anywhere new if you're obsessing with where you are or where you've been. God would say, step out. God gave us an imagination. It's amazing. I've talked about this uh, before, and, and it, it staggers me. We're made in God's image, so we have an image maker, a dream machine, if you will, to imagine things, to project things uh, on the back of our eyelids with your eyes closed. When you think, just, just use the back of your eyelid as a movie screen and start to see things, start to see possibilities. Don't just watch things on television and all the negativity and the doom and the gloom, and this is going to happen, and let fear just seize up your, your, your imagination. Let your imagination be filled with what if, good what ifs, not what if bad things happen, but what if something good happens? What if I was to reach out to somebody, my neighbor? What if I was to, here in the Sunshine Coast, uh, be a solution to the elderly that can't get out of their house and, and feed them and go to the grocery store? What if is an incredible, incredible two words for your imagination, and I really want you to seize that opportunity because God wants to do a new thing. The prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 43, 19. See, in other words, look, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it or do you not see it in your mind? I am making a way in the wilderness. We're in a wilderness right now, but God is saying, have a look through your imagination. I gave you that imagination. Have a look and, and see that I'm doing a new thing. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God will take you through the wilderness of COVID-19. Isaiah, again, in, in chapter 42 and verse 9, listen to what this prophet, this seer, prophets were called seers back then because they could see things. Listen to what he says here. He said, see, the former things have taken place. In other words, hey guys, the past is gone. You can't go back there, Uncle Rico, to 1982 and throw a pigskin a quarter of a mile and, uh, you know, win the state championship if the uh, coach had only have put you in. It's not going to happen. And uh, so, see, the former things have taken place. 
New things I declare. I want you this morning to start to grab a pen, grab a paper when we're finished, and, and, and just start to imagine and write some things down of what could happen, some, some new things. Let God fill your mind. Before they spring into being, he says, new things I declare before they spring into being. Now, faith, it says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you start to see it through your mind's eye, uh, before it's ever materialized, before it's become substance, it's a very, very powerful thing. Before it springs into being, I announce them to you. Imagine, if you will, that nobody ever did a new thing in the face of problems. There would be no telephone, there'd be no iPhone, there'd be no Android, there'd be no television, There'd be no LCD, big screen, plasma, whatever you're watching uh, perhaps right now. If somebody hadn't done a new thing, there wouldn't be any of that. There'd be no Tesla electric cars. Uh, there would be no cars full stop. There'd be no hygiene. That wouldn't be good. There'd be no toilet paper for people to fight over. That would not be good either. I'm glad that at least there's toilet paper that they can fight over. There'd be no vaccine. That's not a good thought right now. If, uh, if nobody got a new thing, there'd be no new fashion. We would all be uh, perhaps, you know, wearing mullets right now if you're a man. There, there would be no Netflix. I mean, whoa, there'd be no uh, Spotify. There'd be, there would be no iTunes. There would, there would be no re recording. There would be no, and you could fill in the blank. My wife, uh, she, wife, Gail, if you're listening, there would be no chocolate-covered strawberries or chocolate at all because somebody had to invent that chocolate. And if you like chocolate, you can just say a big amen right where you're at. God says, I do a new thing. God wants to do something new in you. Now, there are a lot of reasons not to do something new, and we're not going to go into all of them, but, you know, what if it doesn't work? I'm going to look really stupid. So what? Get over yourself. You may look more stupid than you think anyway. <laughs> the current, you know, it, what if it doesn't work? We're, we're creatures of habit. That's another reason that we give for not doing a new thing, not getting a new thought and act, acting on it. We're creatures of habit. We form our habits, and then our habits form us. Uh, uh, so a person that doesn't have a vision, well, you're doomed to the past. I really encourage you, get a vision, use your imagination, get your imagination in sync or sanctified with God. It's simple. You just pray, and the Bible calls it waiting on God. You just wait on God. Uh, usually, for me, it happens in the early hours of the morning or at the middle of the night. Uh, I'll get some ideas, and then I can uh, take those ideas and start to develop them. I like what Philippians said. Paul's in prison He's in a Roman prison. He writes this letter to a church at Philippi. He says, forgetting what is behind. Guys, bad things happen to good people. Forget about it. Forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. Now, the things that Paul uh, said I need to forget about were all the good things that I was doing as a religious man. He was a religious fanatic. He was persecuting the church. He had an encounter with God uh, on the road to Damascus, and, and, and he saw in a vision, he heard Jesus uh, saying, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and he was blinded in the natural, but he got his sight uh, in the spiritual, and he, he began to then walk with God. He says, straining for, 
what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Isn't that incredible? We need to, go, to walk uh, in some new scenery in our mind, look at the new opportunities in our mind, see the new challenges, and, and get excited about those challenges, and, uh, and realize that the reward for facing bigger challenges, and here it is, it's bigger challenges. That's not good news, is it? <laughs> the reward that you're going to get for facing bigger challenges is you get to face bigger challenges. Woohoo! How good is that? But, uh, but it's the only way to live. This is your, your opportunity. Number two, this is your opportunity. First one was to walk uh, uh, someplace different. Number two, this is your opportunity to be someone new. Your walk can be different because you are different. You have never walked you. I love that. The emphasis on you. You have never walked this way before. You've never been able to pull your shoulders back and walk with confidence and have a different spring in your walk because this opportunity is your opportunity as a person to grow. I am so um, amazed that most people put so much emphasis on what they're going to do or where they're going to go instead of the main event, which is who are they going to become. This is an opportunity for you to become a better person, a stronger person, uh, somebody different, uh, uh, to recreate, if you will, some of who you are to a higher level, to face these bigger challenges, to go on to be a bigger person. Jesus said this in Matthew 9, 16. He said, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Why? For the patch, the patch of the unshrunk or the new uh, uh, material that you put on the old, it will shrink and pull away from the garment and tear it, and the tear will be made worse. The only way for you to, to survive this and to overcome this is for you to become almost like uh, you've got to be a little bit uh, in, in the war. You've got to be like that, that piece of cloth that it's not just new, never been tested, never been tried. Uh, walking with God and going through these challenges, it means that your whole life is not going to tear apart. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. I really encourage you, the container of that wine, that wineskin, I really encourage you to let God do something new with that. The way that they renewed old wineskins is they rubbed oil into it. An old, cracked, dry wineskin could be renewed through the oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Let the Spirit of God come into your life and let him renew whatever is old so that God can put his new wine, his new thoughts, his new ideas, his spirit into the old vessel, the you, and you can then go on and not just blow apart. So walk, walk different. Joshua walked different from Moses. Moses carried Israel through 40 years in a wilderness. He never got to cross over. He got so frustrated with 
the nation. I, I can't blame him. I'm not, you know, here to criticize him. But two and a half million people, and a lot of times they're complaining, they're whinging, and, and they're in the wilderness. And, and he got so frustrated that he took uh, a staff and he struck a rock once. And, uh, and where, you know, where's God? He got really frustrated, hit the rock. And because he did that, instead of speaking to it for water to come out, God said, okay, you're not going in. I think that's not really fair, God. But God's not always fair. He's just. And he expects us to go by what he tells us to do and, and get the results. So Moses got really frustrated. Joshua, however, wasn't frustrated. He was motivated. And, and, and God will only take you where he can make you. So my testimony of coming to Australia is, uh, in, in summary, it's, it's this. My, my brother Dan dropped me off at Los Angeles LAX airport. Uh, he was working for a company called uh, Fox Photo. He had a, a job as a, a rep. I think L.A. was part of his uh, area. And so, you know, he was able to, to drive me all the way to the airport. I got on the plane. I'd given away my money and my car. I had my last paycheck, and that was it. I'd never been to Australia before. I didn't know a single soul. Now I'm sitting here in Australia doing this, talking to you. But, you know, I was about to cross over the great Pacific Ocean and go down under. And uh, I was quite, you know, I was quite petrified in the natural, but I, I realized that God wanted to do a new thing in me and something new would come out of that. Now, I'd been an accountant previously to that. I had a good job. I, you know, I was working for a defense contractor and uh, then I worked for 3M and, you know, I had a good job and, and things were going well and God called me uh, one stage to cross over and to go to Bible college in Tulsa, Oklahoma to leave San Diego and cross over uh, part halfway around the country uh, and, and go to Bible school. I, I was about to graduate. People were asking me two weeks before graduation, uh, what are you going to do when you graduate? And I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't sent out by a church. I had no positions in any church at all. Most of them were going back to be pastors, youth pastors, uh, you know, to be in the ministry, the churches that they were in sent them. Uh, I wasn't like that. And, and I was quite, you know, quite beyond myself. And I, I tried in the natural to meet some Aussies. I failed on that. And uh, so I got on that airplane at LAX, really not knowing how this is going to play out. And uh, then, the, you know, all the thoughts about why did you give your money away? What did you do that for? You could have sold the car, done this, that, the other thing, taken that money. Uh, but God was really putting me in a test, and he'd asked me to do certain things, which I did. I was faithful for that. I went to Hawaii. I spent uh, three of the most miserable days sleeping underneath a beach towel uh, at the uh, airport on a bench and at a place called Hanama Bay. And, you know, not really much going on there. Spending, I had about $300. I spent uh, most of that. Then I went to Fiji. Uh, I preached all over Fiji, which was good, but I was even more broke at the end of that time. I, I didn't have, I, I don't know if I had 20 bucks left at all. And uh, so I finished up in Fiji. And God had told me, uh, you know, gave me, I don't want to say God told me uh, and confuse you, but, you know, God puts in your knower that you know, that you know, that you know. And somebody said, would you go down to Suva? It's a little town in Fiji. I'd already been there. And, and would you pray for this woman named Sister Whippy? They call her buddy, brother, and sister there. Sister Whippy is uh, sick. Would you pray for her? And I thought, well, I'm almost broke. I'll spend the last little bit of money that I have to get a bus fare, open-air open air bus, uh, air pollution spewing out. 
go down there and, and, and pray for this woman. And they knew that I believed in uh, the healing power of God. So out of obedience, I just knew God was in it. So I did that. I took the, the 100 kilometer or so journey from Nandy where the airport was. Instead of flying out to Australia, went there and uh, found that woman. She uh, was really, really sick. She couldn't lift her hands above her, uh, her, her shoulders. And uh, so I knocked on the door. The children were there. Uh, they went and got their mother, and they said, oh, Tala Tala, which means pastor. Uh, pastor's here. They invited me in. I prayed for her, and, and, and God restored her instantly. It was quite a mir miracle, and uh, nothing to do with me, but uh, amazing stuff. She got healed, and so they threw a banquet, and first they had me pray for everybody in the neighborhood. So I'm sitting on a chair, and uh, one after another, I'm praying for them. People are getting healed. It was quite, uh, quite an amazing time. Uh, but I'm still broke, and I still haven't been to Australia, and it's still dogging me in my mind. What are you going to do? You haven't crossed over yet. You're only part of the way over. And uh, they threw a banquet, and I really felt, don't eat the food. But I was so hungry. I'd spent, you know, quite a bit of time out on the islands in Fiji, and, and so I ate the food in the banquet, and I got food poisoning. I was really sick, and I I had to get on the bus and make the 100-kilometer journey back to the airport to fly to Australia, and I'm, my head is out the window. I'm losing everything, and exhaust fumes are coming into the bus. I've got a splitting headache. The local people think that maybe the white guy had too much to drink or whatever, and, uh, but I was sicker than a dog. I got to the airport, got on the plane, and on the flight from Fiji to Australia, it's a few hours, uh, I just had all these depressive thoughts just bombarding me and, and telling me, you're a loser, what are you going to do? You don't have any money, you're just going to get to Sydney, you're going to have to turn around, fly all the way back, I had a return ticket, and, uh, and, and you're going to be in defeat, you're just going to go back to accounting, what did you do that for? You're a knucklehead. When you're crossing over, when you see these opportunities, you're going to get bombarded in your thought life. That's where the battleground is. That's where wars are won or where you get defeated is in your thought life. I really encourage you to not listen to the what ifs of what if it fails, but focus your, your thoughts on, on the opportunity that is presented to you. So I landed at Sydney Airport. I uh, went through customs. I went out into the, the great hall there where everybody's greeting their family and their relatives and everybody's hugging and everything else. And I've got my backpack and that's about it. And I'm thinking, this is just miserable. I don't know. What am I going to do? I'm broke. I'm in a strange city. And uh, I really felt the urge to look up. I looked up and here's this big sign with my name on it. It says, Ed Luther. And all these people are holding up this big sign. I thought, wow, you know, I know somebody else has that name back in San Diego. He was a quarterback, backup quarterback for the San Diego Chargers. Maybe he's in town. I don't know. Uh, but no, I went over and these people were from Fiji. And because I was obedient to pray for that one woman who is the treasurer of a major denomination, she was the wife of the treasurer of that denomination. Uh, because of that, Word had gotten across. They met me at the airport. Doors opened. I ate more. I got over my sickness, and, and, and things started to happen here in Australia. I met my wife, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But crossing over, facing big challenges. Since then, I've faced bigger challenges. But I really encourage you, you will grow. 
Think about who you are becoming and move out from your position. It says, move out from the position and follow it. And then verse four, then you will know which way to go. Then you will know which way to go. You have never been this way before. But, and this is my final point. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits. Now, a cubit doesn't mean much to us, but it's about 3,000 feet, if you will, or 900 meters. That's, you know, coming on to a kilometer. Keep that distance between you and the ark. Don't go near it. It's pretty interesting because most of us aren't led by God. In fact, you might be here uh, watching and you don't believe in God. And that's, that's okay. It's a safe uh, place, your living room, to watch this, even if you don't believe. We're all good with that. Uh, but if you are a believer and you choose to cross over in your belief and you take that step of faith to believe in God, then let God lead you. Sometimes we're so far out in the lead and we're expecting God to follow us and to back our big plans that we made without God. When you're praying, humble yourself. Uh, acknowledge God in everything. He will make your path straight, the Bible says. So if you will just let God lead, and that was a big distance, almost a kilometer, that ark was way out there in front of them, crossing over on uh, dry land as God did a miracle and parted that, that, that Jordan River so they could all, two and a half million people could walk across on that. Would you let God take the lead? But sometimes our lack of patience doesn't follow. Sometimes we're charging ahead, and, and, and then we go, where's God? Well, why didn't you let God take the lead? Why not? Realize that you haven't gone this way before. My point there is, uh, if you're taking notes, let God lead you anew, A-K-N-E-W. And it means that God already knew about all this. God knew there was going to be a pandemic. You say, why didn't he stop it? We're in a fallen world. If he, did, if he stopped every bad thing from happening, uh, well, we would be in heaven right now. The plane that's going to crash, the car, the bad things, the thieves, all that. None of that's in heaven. We're not in heaven. We are in a fallen world, and we have to play this out. We get tested, and uh, the trying of our faith produces patience. And someday we will be in a place where God not only stops everything, but everything's not allowed in there. That's called heaven. We're not there right now. Just accept it and get on with it and ask God, okay, what's the plan? Get God on your side. He won't save you from all the trials, but he'll be with you through all the trials. Well, I'm going to pray with you in a moment. And um, I just uh, uh, really want, want to leave you with this thought that Jesus is not called the why. Sometimes we're asking, why God? Why did this happen? Why, why, why? He's not called the why, but he is called the way. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, not the why. I'm not the why bad things happen. Don't even ask that, you know, it's not, not the kind of question sometimes that you're going to get a straight answer, except that we are in a fallen world from way back in the garden. And, uh, and, and ask the right question, which is, God, show me the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Stop just asking why. Look for the way. He is the way. He's a doorway. He's a, a, a stream uh, in the wilderness. He is a savior for you to lead you. Let me pray for you. Uh, just before I do, just make mention that uh, Good Friday is coming up. We're going to do a live stream broadcast again on Good Friday, 10 a.m. Brisbane time. That's Eastern Australia uh, time. And uh, we're going to have a Good Friday service for you. And uh, that's this Friday coming up. 
And uh, also, Easter Sunday is next weekend. I really encourage you to tune in, and, and that'll be Sunday morning, same time as this live stream, Sunday morning, 10 a.m., and uh, we're just going to have a good time. We've got some special uh, things planned for you for Easter, so that wherever you're at, bring a friend and, and just enjoy uh, the service. We'd love to know that you uh, uh, participated in this. So please go to our website, city-church or city-church.net. Uh, if you would go there, let us know if you have any prayer requests, any needs at all. Uh, we uh, looked at some of the ones from last week. It was incredible. I had a few people join our church from either, even other places of the world. And we plan, even after this pandemic passes, to keep our live streaming going so that you can still be part, if you don't have a home church, that you can still be part uh, of what we're doing here on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. Let me pray for you. Uh, Father, I just thank you for every person here, even those that don't even believe that you exist. Um, you're good. You cause the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. You cause it to rain on everybody so that everybody gets blessed. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that the light would go on and that people could see that you are for them and not against them, that you are real and that, uh, that you are in control even when it looks like nobody is in control. You really are, but you do desire that we give our hearts to you. And your desire is for not just relationship, but intimacy. And I thank you, Lord, that we would not just call on you as a friend, but we would be a friend to you, that we would seek out what is pleasing to you. And I thank you right now for every person that's listening. You might want to close your eyes and, uh, and you can pray this either under your breath or out loud. Uh, but I want to give you a chance just to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. And so this is not a formula. It's not complicated. But if you just want to say this uh, after me, say, uh, Jesus, I give you my life. It's just that simple. Let him lead you. He'll take you over. You will cross over whatever situation you're in right now. God bless you. Have a safe week. Have an awesome week. Get your pen out, pray. Let God give you some amazing thoughts and opportunities will come your way. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.